right. Good morning. Good morning. It's a Monday morning. We're getting off to a little late start. Um, it's been a while since I've had computer problems in the morning, but this Monday morning, uh, my computer decided to do an instantaneous restart and uh, put me behind a bit. But that's what happens. I really should do that at night, but um, sometimes I'm working into the night and I just leave my computer on and it decides to do what it wants to do. And uh, today it picked Monday morning. So uh, for those of you on Facebook, thank you for watching. I appreciate it. We're just gonna give a quick update and uh, let you know a little bit of what's going on in Springfield. So uh, first, as, um, as is standard, the mug of the day. So I have a big, bright yellow smiley face mug today. Why? Because the sun was so bright this weekend. I hope everybody um, put on sunscreen. I think it was in the 80s. It was extremely warm. And um, if individuals need cooling stations, please let us know. There are cooling stations throughout the area. If uh, if your air conditioner goes off, please, please. We've had um, in the past, we've actually had individuals perish because they didn't have air conditioning. Um, and uh, we certainly don't want that to happen. So uh, in this uh, hot sunshine, it's a lot of fun, but if you know individuals that are homebound that uh, might not have their air conditioning working, uh, please, uh, we can direct them to cooling stations so that they can get the uh, appropriate assistance. So uh, that is a little bit of a public service announcement. May is uh, Motorcycle Awareness Day, Motorcycle Awareness Month. Um, last month, which, uh, or uh, last week, uh, if you saw on Facebook, we did Motorcycle Awareness Day, uh, went and um, promoted motorcycle awareness. Now, I know a lot of people in the comments after I posted a picture about it, talked about the erratic driving of motorcycles. We might have talked about this last week, but it doesn't hurt to talk about it again. Uh, the erratic driving of motorcycles. There's also erratic driving of cars. So we talked about that last week. So this week we passed a house resolution to talk about motorcycle awareness month. So that passed out of the house last week. I know we did not pass a budget, but I did pass a resolution and a couple other bills to help out our um, Chicago firefighters with their, their pension issues. Last week, I uh, filed a bill. It's a house bill, which means it's not going to be voted on uh, right now. But we filed a House Bill uh, 4098 and a second House Bill, House Bill 4099. And this is the first comprehensive step towards looking at our pension system. So the reason why it's filed as a House Bill, individuals might not understand the process is because it's a big solution. And because it's a big solution, we, we need to look at it over the summertime. So because uh, we need to get a lot of input from individuals to make sure we get this right the first time. And this is why um, I think it's so important to have filed this as a house bill. So you file it as a house bill. As I've said before, I'm repeating myself, if it starts in the house, it has to go to the Senate. If the Senate changes it, it has to come back to the house. If the Senate makes no changes, then it goes to the governor. So. We certainly have a uh, a process, a process that we need to follow. And so by filing it at a house bill, um, in terms of 
this uh, this session, it means that it's not going to go lightning fast. Now, there have been some, uh, and I got to tell you, there have been some bills that have gone through lightning fast, lightning fast through the General Assembly, and they come out of nowhere, and individuals say, where did they go? But the reality is, is there there has been a lot of work, and some of the bills that are um, that are said to come through lightning fast, to be quite honest, it's, uh, it's a composition of other bills that legislators have already filed. Uh, these bills have been uh, then put together in one bill of, of the same subject matter, per se, and, uh, and then they go through. So one can say the one larger bill went through pretty fast, but for those that are paying attention and understanding, uh, the fact of the matter is, is that the, the components of those bills were considered separately. So there, there's all these different um, techniques, scenarios, situations that we find in Springfield quite often. And uh, that is one of them. That's not happening um, today. This, this bill that I filed, um, House Bill 4098, House Bill 4099, is uh, is different parts of different bills and also different um, ideas and strategies from some legislators in the past. So uh, what we're looking at is a comprehensive plan uh, with regards to tier two pensions. Now, some of the components of this bill, if you're interested, is 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 fixing what is called the tier two pension issue. So number one, the tier two issue that we faced is from the changes that were made in 2011, right before I got into office. And what these changes were to do was to start uh, reducing benefits for state employees, teachers, university employees, um, that group of state employees. In addition to other pension systems in the state that the state um, has oversight over, such as the Chicago Teachers Pension Fund, uh, the Chicago Fire Department Pension Fund, Downstate Pension Fund for Fire and Police, um, Chicago Police Pension Fund. So there's other pension funds that the state is has jurisdiction over. However, these bills only affect right now the state of Illinois pensions. Now, tier two was a reduction of benefits for all new members after a certain date. So we have tier one which is uh, individuals before that date in 2011. Then we have tier two individuals married after that date in 2011. Now, I've said this before, it bears repeating that um, our employees, the individuals we are talking about that are on the pension system do not get social security. This is the only retirement that they have unless they put uh, money aside in a 457 plan or deferred compensation plan or some other plan where the almost everybody in the state of Illinois gets social security, this subsection of individuals do not. And it goes all the way back to when social security was established, the state of Illinois chose to opt out of social security for its employees and create pension systems. Now we do have one pension system that does not um, in, interfere with social security. And that is the SERS, State Employee Retirement System. Uh, that system was established to go concurrently with Social Security. So there are no 
violations per se with the SERS system. There are concerns with the rest of the systems because the federal law requires us to be equal to or more generous than Social Security. Now, we didn't have that problem with the tier one because they had uh, more generous pensions than Social Security. But in tier two, there's been a lot of discussion about this called safe harbor for provision. I'm not going to bore you with all the details. I can certainly, certainly talk about pensions for hours. And I don't think many people watching this morning has had enough coffee to hear a full-blown pension issue. But in filing uh, House Bill 4098, that's the main bill I'm going to focus on, uh, most notable, most notable is the cancellation uh, the closure of two pension systems that are only 14% funded and are not um, are not really performing. And those two pension systems are the GARS, the General Assembly Retirement System, and the JRS, which is the Judges Retirement System. So um, these two systems, they were established, um, and you can you you probably will see some reports of some individuals under this. Uh, tier one general assembly retirement system, uh, being able to retire with an abundance of benefits. So the tier one, again, tier one is before a certain date in 2011, when, uh, when they passed the Pension Reform Act that created the tier two. So these individuals in the tier one can retire with an exorbitant amount of money, exorbitant amount of money than what they paid in for a perk. The General Assembly members of the past, not present, not during my tenure, uh, decided to uh, create a different pension system for themselves so they could get a better deal. So what we're doing is we're canceling those out in this bill, canceling them out, putting them back in with the employees retirement system, S-E-R-S, the one that coincides with Social Security. So there'll be no more special perks in the pension system with these two pension systems. Um, in addition to that, we're looking at some other options for employees. I won't go into a lot of detail, but expanding a buyout program, creating a deferred retirement option program, looking at um, getting up to that social security standard. I, I realize within eight days, but uh, certainly we've got to have a goal, changing the funding uh, target from 90% to 100% funded by 2055. In addition to that, uh, looking at um, swapping some bond payments. We have two bonds that come due in a couple of years and uh, they both uh, equal, our payments equal about a billion dollars. So what we're gonna do is we're going to shift that payment to the pension system. So we're, we're targeting to put an additional $20 billion into the pension system after 2031. Now, this is just like uh, when you pay off your car, you just take that, car payment, put it to your credit card payments. It's the same, but it doesn't impact the budget at all. And it's really, is a good strategy. We're doing that as well. So there's a lot in there. That is like the short end of the uh, pension update. Again, I don't, I'm being nice. I don't think individuals this morning have had enough coffee to talk about the whole budget issue uh, and the whole pension issue uh, with regard to what we're doing. The second bill, 4099, 4099-4099 is looking at um, individuals such as correctional officers, individuals that provide security for our state, 
uh, and looking to see what the cost would be if we were to um, adjust them to the same level as police officer at that today. Uh, the, the reason being is that individuals in these jobs uh, really, truly uh, get beat up. I mean, their body takes a toll. And um, right now, the age in which they'd have to work to retire, uh, why, well, it doesn't sound that high to you or me, around 60, the, the, the toll on these individuals, um, just body and the mental toll and that is, is extreme. So we're looking at uh, adjusting that um, minimum retirement age uh, with a substantial amount of years in uh, down to about 55. Again, still looking at it, looking at the cost. There's a lot of cost with these two pension plans. And so we're going to be talking as well about future budgets and funding our pensions properly. Right now, we fund them at the funding formula. We're looking at funding them at the actuarial formula, looking at funding to get to that 100% and um, got to put a little extra more in. So we're working on that. It's quite the job, but we're going to do it. We're going to have hearings over the summer. We're going to work on it in the fall and maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed, have a financially solid plan for the retirees of the state of Illinois, future retirees of the state of Illinois, and future employees that haven't yet signed up for the state of Illinois so that they can have a retirement that's not in violation of federal law, that uh, properly allows them to retire with dignity. and. Um, Bottom line is it's the right thing to do. So that's my little update of what I personally have been working on as the new chair of pensions. It's uh, quite the subject matter. And if anybody wants more information, they can certainly email me or if they have thoughts or views, they can certainly email me and let me know your thoughts. So what is going on with Springfield? Let's just say we were scheduled to, uh, as I said, scheduled to adjourn on Friday. We had talked about that before. And um, what we were looking at didn't happen. So we did not adjourn on May 19th. There's still, or yeah, there's still a lot of work to do. And um, as I've said before, the process, the budget process is that the committees and the members work with the, the chairs of the what we call in the house, the appropriation committee. So the appropriation committees are committees that again, appropriate the funding in the budget to a maximum amount. So this is the maximum amount of funding that the governor can spend. They can spend all the way down to zero. They can spend any variation in between this number. He doesn't have to spend all the way to the top number of the appropriation. So the process is thus. Uh, the committees, the committees worked very hard line item by line item looking at the budget and how uh, the line items that the governor proposed match up with testimony that we heard in committee and they've done a lot of work. This is the first year, first year that I'm not on a budget committee. I've been on a budget committee for 10 years now. Um, so I know and I have a great relationship with all the chairs of the committee. So I definitely am keeping informed. Uh, but I'm not on those committees this year because I'm working on pensions and I'm on the revenue committee. Revenue, of course, is a very important component. They've adjusted the revenue a bit. I've talked about that in the past, but we are still looking to pass a responsible, fiscally balanced budget. 
So uh, the chairs of the committee then get together in the budget working group and they, they put together and they relay up their um, feedback from their committees. And what that then goes to is a group, a smaller group called the budgeteers. And what they do is there's some budgeteers in the Senate, some budgeteers in the House, and some in the governor's office. And so they come together and bring the feedback from the House and the Senate and the governor's office, and they come together for in agreement. And that is where we're at right now, is they're looking at an agreement in some of the spending line items. The goal is to have an agreed budget between the House, the Senate, and the governor. Not a bad idea. In the past, we've seen very, I've seen very contentious budget fights between the House and the Senate and the governor and the governor vetoing it. It just gets messy. This process is the best process that can come about. All agreed, working very hard. So that's what's happening right now. Um, good morning, Ma Marty, uh, Bonnie, and Bob Dunn. So um, Marty said, we'd love to see the frozen senior meal distribution revived. Some of us are still wary of group settings, especially those of us who's had COVID and never want to get it again. So the senior meal, the frozen senior meal program was a great program. It was run by Kane County Senior Services and it was a grant uh, mostly during COVID that we were able to partner with myself and Representative Barbara Hernandez. We're able to partner and provide meals for seniors once a month. Now, um, that funding for that program, I believe, has been uh, discontinued by the federal government, and the funding for that is uh, not available. However, I do know that um, the Interfaith Food Pantry does provide um, food and, uh, you know, any kind of, of things that you need uh, with a home delivery program. They will deliver it right to your home. I know it's not the frozen meals. The frozen meals are great. You could um, just make them really easy to prepare and um, lasted a long time. I mean, I know uh, some, uh, there's supposed to be five meals, but I know some seniors stretched it because it was a, it was a good portion. Um, when that, if that program comes back, we will certainly let you know. We will partner again with my colleagues, either Barbara Hernandez, Representative Hernandez, or Representative Hansen, uh, working in our area uh, in King County to help seniors get meals. So, as it sits right now, um, that program is not up and running anymore due to funding, but definitely it's certainly something to do. Now, that's the frozen meals. We still have Meals on Wheels for seniors individuals that are homebound and they can get a Meals on Wheels delivery, that program is still up and running and is funded. And so Marty, if you need uh, information with Meals on Wheels or information of the home delivery program from the food pantries, please uh, reach out to my office and let me know. Because certainly we don't want individuals to be struggling uh, with uh, food insecurity. So that's a, that's a big, that's a big thing. So let us know. But thanks for that question in the Facebook chat. Really appreciate that. Um, what is our schedule like this week? So we are back in the house. Is back in session Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. The Senate is in session Wednesday and Thursday. So it's looking like it's looking like the budget's going to start in the Senate and come to the House. Um, the issue that we're looking at is a thing called uh, posting requirements, and it is in the Constitution 
that a bill must be read into the record on three separate days before it can be considered. So that's important to remember uh, because since uh, we did not get that done by the 19th, whenever a bill comes over from the Senate, it can come over today. It can come over Tuesday, it comes over Wednesday. It's kind of a tight schedule, um, but the bill has to be read into the record three days. Um, so technically, a uh, bill could be received late Monday night, read in the record Monday night before midnight, read into the record Tuesday after midnight, and be ready for consideration on um, later on. So then it would be read into the record three times. Uh, but it's it's still um, it's still up for up for grabs. Gonna see where we're at. So the traditional deadline for the House is May 31st. So technically this week, uh, we can still do work. It's not a regularly scheduled session day. So um, that's, uh, that's going to be a little bit, a little bit interesting to, to work at because we don't have, you know, to get people down there. Uh, individuals had already planned uh, optimistically to uh, you know, travel for family. So we definitely need to make sure we have a form, but technically we don't have to finish until May 31st. And realistically, the state of Illinois budget does not begin until July 1st. So while we do not want to go into the June months to finish our budget, to make sure that the department heads know what we are working on and can prepare for the, the new fiscal year, there is a little bit of time. Now, the May 31st date um, used to be an issue back in the day uh, when we had a more evenly divided chamber in the House and the Senate. After May 31st, every bill that needed to pass needed a supermajority, which would be 71 in the House, and um, a supermajority in the Senate. Uh, that's not really the case now because we don't have an evenly divided chamber in the house we have uh, 78 democrats and then the rest are republicans and in the senate i believe they have 36 or 40 senators forgive me i i'm not counting i'm not in the senate so i don't know all the numbers but they have a supermajority in the senate as well so it's not quite as big of an issue but with everything and everybody uh it's a diverse group it's a diverse group and there's a lot of discussions going on so there's time. Uh, so I've talked about that. There is um, looking at some pressures in the budget that needs to be addressed. And again, going line item by line and making sure that things are balanced and agreed upon. So we worked um, late into Friday night and uh, many bills got passed. A total of 512 bills got passed. And we'll go to the governor's desk. 309 of those bills were House bills. 203 of those bills were Senate bills. Uh, we still have some motions to concur. As I've said before, these are bills that I have a couple that are in the House that we made changes to yes, send back to the Senate. The Senate has to agree upon those before they go to the governor's desk. So we have the budget. We have what's called the BIMP, which is the Budget Im Implementation Bill. And then we normally do a Medicaid omnibus. And so there's a couple things that 
are, are key that we're kind of looking at. Uh, there are some bills that will most likely be either rolled in or, or voted on, and, and we voted on a couple of them. Uh, creating a state health exchange is one of the things the governor's been talking about, House Bill 579. We have the federal exchange, but it would be more beneficial to the people of Illinois if we do have a state exchange as well. Uh, so that's that bill. Uh, our cannabis program needs some change. Uh, looking into that bill, Senate Bill 1559, there's, there's, of course, a revenue package, which talks about tax breaks and um, some changes with regards to that. It's not really revenue as in generating revenue. It's called the revenue omnibus because these are subject matters that are in the revenue committee. So while I understand the name is revenue package, it's not really a package of revenues. We're not considering any tax increases or any revenue increases uh, overall this session, uh, but these are you know, some, some tax credits and, and some other things that are rolled into, and that's Senate Bill 1963. There's a procurement, how the state buys things, a procurement bill, House Bill 2878. There's an energy package, House Bill 3445. They're looking at some changes to our election law, Senate Bill 2123. We are looking at changes to the biometric data privacy laws. If you've heard about that and seen it, our law has been interpreted uh, different ways. There's been some court cases that have went up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has pretty much picked it back down to the legislature to say, can you clarify this language? Uh, so we're looking at that, House Bill 2518. A property tax package, House Bill 2507. Uh, there's a bunch of bills that, a bunch of programs at sunset. So we have a, a general sunset bill every year, Senate Bill 89, and then uh, and a map of the Chicago School Board Districts to be elected in 2024. Those are the major ones that have been on the docket that we are looking at this next week to tie up, finish up, and send over either to the house or the Senate sends it over to us and uh, we get them over to the governor's office. So that's pretty much this uh, path that we're taking on those. So the Illinois Supreme Court heard arguments in the case with regards to the assault weapons ban on the state level. The US Supreme Court opted not to block enforcement of the law. Again, as I've said many times, bears repeating again, uh, the United States Supreme Court, the Illinois Supreme Court, the Illinois Supreme Court looks to the constitutionality with regards to the Illinois Constitution. The United States Supreme Court looks to the constitutionality of the United States Constitution. So if individuals go up to me and say, you know, you're violating my constitutional right, that's not up to you, that's not up to me, that's up to the United States Supreme Court. And in this particular case, the United States Supreme Court opted not to block, not to block enforcement of the assault weapons law that was passed. Uh, the cannabis transporters file lawsuit. So a group of licensed cannabis transporters. Uh, so these are individuals that transport cannabis product. Um, are suing the Illinois Department of Agriculture, claiming that the state is allowing unlicensed operators to transport this product. The transportation license allows the holder to deliver cannabis from the grower to the retail stores around the state. 
And then there is a law that prohibited out-of-state donations to judicial committees and capped the contributions at $500,000. Um, but that was permanently enjoined on May 18th. So the order followed an agreement between Attorney General and the plaintiffs in which the Attorney General opted not to appeal and the plaintiffs agreed not to file a motion to recover legal expenses. Uh, so that means that um, that law is not enforceable based on judicial review. So we're looking at, uh, and, and under the executive branch, they do a lot with the departments more than we do on the legislature. We pass the laws, the executive branch manages the departments. And so the uh, Department of Human and Family Services are go is going to ask the federal government to reauthorize an amended version of the state's 1115 waiver for behavioral health services. Now, um, we file a lot of waivers with the federal government on many different subject matters. If you are interested in that, the hearings to discuss these amendments, and th there's multiple of them, will be on May 19th, 22nd, and 25th. There is a draft of, of their proposed amendments that is online at the Department of Health and Human Department of Human and Family Services, HFS. Uh, there's a draft available online if those that are interested would like to read what that petition is all about. Governor Pritzker announced the application period for the Blue Collar Jobs Tax Incentive Program. So this program was passed in 2019, was put on hold due to COVID-19 and is now being uh, re-offered. It offers business tax credits for wages paid on certain construction projects. So companies can be designated high impact businesses under state law and they're eligible to receive credits for project if the project exceeds $12 million and creates 500 full-time jobs. So they're available for businesses that completed projects in 2021 or later, honoring the original effective date of the bipartisan agreement. Um, we are looking at an ICC, Illinois Commerce Commission, order uh, for a refund for People's Gas customers. So People's Gas um, was found with a decision that would mean a customer refund of more than $15 million in aggregate. Now, what that amounts to on your bill is another story. Um, so definitely customers will get funds back in the form of refund. This is the first time the ICC disallowed the bad debt expenses since 2019. When utilities were first allowed to pass along these, co these costs to surcharge on the bills. So those that get people's gas, our, our area is mostly NICOR gas, so people's gas is in a different part of the state, uh, should look at their bills. So other than that, let's see. Um, so MPOX, the Illinois Department of Public Health announced that cases of MPOX, formerly known as monkeypox, are on the rise in Chicago and the suburban Cook County and is urging those at risk for MPOX exposure to take precautions and to get vaccinated. Uh, so definitely, if this is something that you feel you might be at risk on, talk to your medical provider. Uh, Illinois payroll jobs are up, unemployment rate is down. Jobs are up, unemployment's down. That's a win-win, it's very good. Uh, sports wagering, another um, state record for March. So the handle 
the handle was $1.07 billion for March. Tim McGraw, those of you that are um, Tim McGraw fans, country fans, Grammy award-winning entertainer, will headline the State Fair on Thursday, August 17th. The 2023 Illinois State Fair runs from August 10th through August 20th in Springfield. So definitely, if you haven't been to the State Fair, it'd be good to check it out. So uh, again, uh, the Secretary of State has uh, released a list uh, that things and words and letter combinations that they will not allow on Illinois license plates. Uh, NBC5 obtained a full list. And if you're interested, um, there are thousands of words that are permissible, but there are words that will not be allowed. So don't bother applying to the Secretary of State to try and get these words on your license plate. Uh, and then carrying on with the Secretary of State, they announced the new position of diversity, equity, and inclusion officer, Dr. Margaret Margie Lawler. So congratulations to her. So what else is going on that we are looking at? Soldier Field, we talked about the Bears. There is a plan, still working on a plan that will be worked on over the summer. Uh, but for the second year in a row, <clears throat> Chicago will need to pay to cover the debt service on the Soldier Field renovation bonds after the Chicago hotel taxes pledged to repay the bonds fell $9 million short. So that's still a big issue because there are still bonds outstanding from the renovation of Soldier Field years ago. Clearly, clearly that bond issue was not a good deal for taxpayers uh, and should be revisited. And, and we're looking at that throughout the whole negotiation with regards to the bears. New estimates from the U.S. Census Bureau show that Chicago lost about 81,000 people from 2020 to 2022, but retained its position as the nation's third most populous city after New York City and Los Angeles. Now keep in mind, 81,000 individuals, the rough population of Chicago is about 3 million. Uh, so it is clearly not a significant number when you look at the totality of uh, the city of Chicago, but it did show that it lost a bit of, a bit of people. Uh, the University of, this is a fun, really fun tidbit, the University of Chicago, along with the University of Tokyo, will get $150 million from IBM and Google for quantum computing research in an effort to keep the U.S. and Japan in front of China. Now, this is really amazing that Illinois is, is leading the pack with regards to this. Former Chicago mayor and the current ambassador to Japan, Rami Manuel, said that the school's partnership resulted from the University of Tokyo's president mentioning his university's quantum computing program. Now, quantum computers are a high interest research area because they could help solve problems such as modeling, how a drug molecule interacts with the body's proteins or how batteries work at, at an atomic scale or a whole bunch of other things. So this is very exciting news coming to Illinois. So you should be kind of happy about that. Electric cars and trucks are now 7% of the US light vehicle market in the first quarter of the year. That is up from 4.6%. I know I'm seeing a lot more Teslas and uh, electric vehicles on the road. Uh, the growth is coming as traditional automakers turn on the faucet for new electric vehicle models. 
So uh, what we're talking about is legacy brands and recent industry startups took nearly 40% of the new US EV registrations for the first quarter. Brands gaining EV electric vehicle market share include Chevrolet, Ford, Volkswagen, Rivian, Mercedes-Benz, and BMW, while brands losing dominance include Tesla, Hyundai, Kia, Audi, Nissan, and Polestar. So overall, Tesla has had the bulk of the EV market with six of 10 registrations, but that was a drop from its 72% market share a year earlier. So it's interesting that competition is coming about, and I, I think that's great. Um, J.D. Power said that the report earlier this month that despite growing market share for EVs, many consumers are still wary of the new technology. One of the biggest things is the battery storage, including here when we have colder weather. Batteries don't perform that well in cold weather, so there's still a lot of research that needs to be done with regards to batteries, and the state of Illinois is investing to build out some public charging station infrastructure in uh, in areas. And now there's some confusing new rules about federal EV incentives, but uh, it certainly is going as well. Uh, other than that, um, there's not much else going on. So we have, again, some bills this week that need to be passed. I have some bills that need to be passed. So hopefully we can uh, certainly do that. But we are looking at going back again Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for the House, Wednesday, Thursday for the Senate, and uh, definitely, hopefully, getting our, um, our budget passed. It's going to be budgeted. It, it's going to be balanced. It's going to be fiscally sound. And um, definitely, we are still going in the right direction. So that's our Springfield update. If you know, um, we are now converting this update into a podcast, which I think is very exciting. So if there's any individuals that are not on Facebook Live, but would like to get weekly Springfield updates, they can certainly look towards uh, Coffee with Kiffy on the podcast as well, Spotify and other um, common podcast outlets. So that should be up there. Uh, I will say I um, am not in charge of that. <laughs> we have some great staff in the office that are in charge of that, and they work very, very hard. And so uh, definitely, if you need to reach out to anybody uh, in the office, they are here to assist. Well, I'm in Springfield and uh, definitely working hard for the district. So again, COVID is still out there. I'm going to keep repeating it. Never fears. And to be quite honest, I am finding it um, very admirable individuals that um, I have known that are ill with um, colds and allergies. And uh, one individual I ran into was wearing a mask, had strep throat, and didn't want to infect anybody else with the flu and, and other things besides COVID, which I think is really important. If, if individuals are having, you know, flu-like symptoms, COVID symptoms, um, like uh, bronchitis or, or strep throat or any of that, it never hurts to wear a mask and to um, try to keep other people as healthy as possible so we don't spread the germs. So I, I really think that that's a great habit that people are getting into. And, and, you know, I would like to encourage that. But if you're not feeling well, wear a mask if you're, you're in a high-risk um, category, wear a mask as well, hand sanitize, keep your distance, 
uh, definitely the weather's warmer, go outside and uh, get some fresh air and definitely enjoy the weather. So with that, we will hopefully have an update for you next Monday. Monday the 29th is Memorial Day. So um, I know last week was Mother's Day and I hope uh, everybody had a, uh, a good Mother's Day. I know I talked about that last week. Uh, but next week on Monday is Memorial Day. We will not be doing a Facebook Live on Memorial Day. I know the city of Aurora has upped its Memorial Day parade to 10 a.m. The Roosevelt Aurora American Legion does cemetery visits to honor um, those fallen service members. They would normally do that in the morning. They have now pushed that those cemetery visits to the afternoon. And I know that um, I am going to be the Grand Marshal for um, the, I'm, I'm blanking on it right now, uh, but I'm going to be the Grand Marshal for uh, Memorial Day that is not in, not in Aurora. So I won't see you on Memorial Day um, with regards to that, but I'm the Grand Marshal for the Mount Prospect uh, Memorial Day Parade. So I will be in Mount Prospect, they um, are honoring me as a Grand Marshal for their parade. I'm very um, humbled, humbled, and, and they, they didn't have to do that. But uh, so I will be at the Mount Prospect Memorial Day and then um, hope to see you in June. So we won't have an update on Memorial Day, but we will have a comprehensive wrap up of the session on June. It will be June 5th. So uh, we will talk then, but until then, uh, remember all our service members and our Gold Star families that have given so much for our country this Memorial Day. It is not, it is not a holiday of celebration for many. It is a, it is a national day, a national day of mourning and keep the Gold Star families in your thoughts and prayers and the family, in, the loved ones that they lost. Um, fighting and defending our country. And uh, they should be remembered every day. We in the house do a remembrance ceremony every year. And we did not announce any names this year of those that have been fallen, uh, thankfully. But there are those that have given their lives for our country and we need to remember them. So this Memorial Day, while individuals like to say it's the unofficial start of summer, Memorial Day, it's a national day of mourning. So, Keep those individuals again in your thoughts and your prayers because it's a tough day. Every day is a tough day for our Gold Star family. So with that, have uh, this Monday, have a good Monday and uh, we will touch base soon. Take care, everybody.